0: Well, isn't it true that most of our days are just plain ordinary, nothing too different from yesterday, with nothing too unusual planned for tomorrow? But I'm sure that most of us can remember times when the unexpected happened. A phone call, a knock at the door, an email, a visit, a sharp pain, an unexpected job offer, and then suddenly everything changed and life would never be the same again. It's true. We really don't know what will happen tomorrow. Our broadcast today takes us back to the ancient city of Nineveh, and most of us would know very little about that part of the world, but you may have heard of a strange visitor that entered the city gates one day that would turn that city upside down. His name was Jonah, and he had come to Nineveh on a mission. His journey there is a story in itself, a sea voyage, a shipwreck, and a whale. But today we'll be focusing on how Jonah's arrival in that city affected the entire population. God still uses his messengers to intersect lives today. So let's listen as evangelist Mr. Marvin Dirksen takes us back to the day that Jonah came to town. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying,
1: Arise, go into Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto with the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered him with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them and he did it not. Over to the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 12 for a final reading. These are some comments made about the very story that we have read. Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 38. Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, a greater than Jonah is here. This is a very well-known story, especially of his experience in the whale's belly. Every Sunday school scholar has likely painted pictures or heard the story more than once of how Jonah, as a disobedient prophet, went his own way and God stopped him and dramatically brought this man to a place where he was submerged for three days and three nights in the ocean depths, until finally he cried with absolute assurance, salvation is of the Lord, and that's exclamation, or or that statement from the very soul of Jonah, brought him to dry land. You know, this might seem like an ancient story. It's a true story. It really happened. What has impressed me is that this large city of 60 miles in circumference, now that's a large city. In fact, they tell me that it took 10,000 slaves working day after day. It took them 10 years to build the royal palace with the courtyard. That was what we might call a mega project. And in that city, when Jonah entered into it, there were 120,000 infants that didn't know the left hand from their right hand. And yet God's dealings with that city are really exactly the same as his dealings with us today. In fact, these people were dealing with a God that they couldn't see, but he had spoken to them. Perhaps you become aware God has been speaking to me. I don't know why these things are happening to me. I don't know why I'm having these kind of thoughts. I don't know why as I look ahead to the future, I'm just a little bit apprehensive. The God that we can't see with these eyes is speaking to us tonight personally. We find that a judgment that they couldn't couldn't comprehend was approaching that. And you know, as we move down the road of life, And we have our plans, and and we move down through the years, and the decades pass, and the birthdays come and go. God wants us to know that there is a judgment that is approaching us and approaching this world. The world can't comprehend it. The world disregards it. But something was coming to that city that they couldn't deserve, but it was coming. And as we look at our future, we understand that there is judgment coming for sin, our sin. And that's why we need to prepare. And you know, God gave this city a warning that they dare not disregard. We would like to make you aware of heaven's interest, an interest that is so great that God gives us warnings. God rattles our bars at times, and alongside of the warning, God stretches out his arms with an invitation because God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And because God was concerned about this city, and because of their sin that was marked in heaven, God sent a prophet, and God sent a message. God has spoken in the same way he spoke spoken these times. First of all, by a man, and by a message, and by a moment of response. I'd like to look at the man tonight, first of all, because, you know, in in some ways, when you look at the man, Jonah, he was so unlike the Lord Jesus. My, he was a disobedient prophet. But when we come to chapter 3, we find that Jonah is very much a picture of the Lord Jesus. And I want to know just three very simple things, but I trust you might just be able to follow that, because like Jonah, we can see similarities in the great person of the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. What marked Jonah? First of all, he had come from a distance. He'd come miles on an incredible journey. How far he came, I really don't have the actual mileage or the actual kilometers, but he had come a long, long way along the road to speak to that one city. Ah, oh, when I think of another man, he came from a distance. And tonight, friend, I will acknowledge at the very start, I cannot calculate the distance that the Savior came. Down from the glory, the Savior came down to the cross and the death of shame. I've often wondered at what it says in Hebrews, because you see it says there, who for a a short time, for a little season, he was made lower than the angels. Angels are created beings. Made by the hand of the Creator. And yet there was a moment in the experience of those angelic hosts when they saw what they had never seen before. The Creator Himself was stepping down from glory and coming down past angelic hosts and coming down, down, down to a little, just a little speck of sand. We call it our earth. But when you look at the myriads of the heavenly bodies, it's only just a speck. They must have been amazed as they saw the mighty creator going down. Where's he going? He's going down to planet earth. What a tremendous distance he came. Oh, the wonders of his love. See him coming from above to atone and die for thee. Is it any wonder that Christians praise him, praise him cheerfully? He came from a distance. Right, friend, that's the man that God is speaking to you through and about. The man, Christ Jesus, his beloved son. But there's something else about these two men that are so similar. They were both different. Picture Jonah walking through Nineveh. Didn't belong to that city. I can just see the people talking to themselves and they're just saying, who oh, is he? Why oh, He's different. Doesn't look like us. Where'd he come from? You know, when I think of this tremendous message of God's salvation, it concerns a man who is different. Ah, yes, he became a real man. You ever stop to, to consider what that meant for the Son of God to become the Son of Man? Verily God, yet become truly human? That's why the Bible says, Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in flesh. God became a man without sin. And oh, how different he was. In fact, at the age of 12, he could say to his earthly parents, are you not aware that I must be about my father's business? There were those that followed his teaching, his words, as, as he had stepped into the sphere of public ministry. In fact, one day men were, were sent to take him to arrest him. And as they listened to him, they came back without any, anybody in chains. They said, why why didn't you bring him? They said, never a man speak like this man. He speaks differently. He speaks with grace. He speaks with authority. He's marked by compassion. Ah, but there was a day when disciples were in a boat and the storm was raging. The waves were high and the disciples were terrified. Now, some of them were pretty good sailors. They had spent a lot of time in the water because they were fishermen, if you remember correctly. But this time they were terrified. They woke the Savior. He was asleep in the back part of the ship. And they said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? We're going down. And they watched as the Savior stepped to the side of that ship. And with a simple word of authority, peace, be still. Those disciples were overwhelmed with amazement as they saw the waves go flat calm. And the wind drop out in a moment. They shook their heads and they said, what manner of man is this? Even the wind and the waves, they respond to his voice. You see, friend, he was different. He spoke with authority. He spoke with power. This is the one that God speaks to us by, his beloved son. There was a moment when disciples went, three disciples went with him to a a little mountain. It's called the Mount of Transfiguration. And you know the unexpected happened? The Bible says the Lord was transfigured before them. You know what that means? He wasn't changed from the outside in. He was changed from the inside out. You know what happened? His face began to shine, literally. And the Bible says it shone like the sun. And yet all of a sudden this man who they had walked with and they had listened to and they had followed, there was a moment when his face began to shine like the sun. And then they looked at his clothing, and the Bible says it was glistering. It was flashing as lightning. They had never seen anything like that before. This man is different. But there's something else about this man that marked Joan and Mark the Lord Jesus. Both of these men were not only from a distance, not well, only were they different. They were both disfigured. The Bible doesn't give us a clear description of what Jonah was like after being three days and three nights in the whale's belly. And I'm not here to speculate, but I do understand this. This man had come through the judgment of God upon him. And even in a a physical sense, I have often wondered if his very face did not give evidence of the experience in the whale's belly. Some have suggested that even the the acids and all the, the various things in that in that belly would have marked his face, maybe blanched it white. And as people looked at this man, they must have taken a second look. My, he's he's disfigured. Something's happened to him. Right, friend, I would just like to take you two up to a place called Calvary, where a man was disfigured because of sin. Ah, oh, not his sin. No, he had no sin. He could not sin, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. But there upon that cross, God allowed the creatures that his hands had made to lay hold upon the Creator, the Son of God, and were made aware that he was disfigured. You know what Isaiah said? His visage is so marred more than any man. As we think of what they did to the Lord Jesus, they got a hold of his beard and they pulled until it came from his cheeks. They got a bunch of thorns and they wove it into a crown and they beat it into his brow. They took a rod and they began to hit him in the face when he was blindfolded. Tell us who hit you! If that wasn't enough, his own creatures came alongside and began to spit into his face. What an insult! And if that wasn't enough, They put him over the rack, and they raked his back with a Roman lash, pulling flesh, until the Bible says it was just like a a plowed field. And if that wasn't enough, they took him to a place called Calvary, and they put nails through his hands, through his feet. His big heart. God has spoken to us through this man. You have to face this man. Because you see, as Jonah went into the city of Nineveh, he had a message. And the man and the message were combined, weren't they? He didn't take an hour to give that message. He had eight words. Yet, forty days, Nineveh shall be overthrown. I don't read of anything else he spoke. That was his message. You know what the Lord Jesus told a religious man? Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you cannot see and you cannot enter the kingdom of God. What a startling message to that man. He lived righteously. He lived morally. This man revered the word of God. This man respected that which is holy. This man had said prayers. And yet this message from the man from heaven boomed it upon this man. And Nicodemus heard words that awakened him made him aware of his need. Unless I am born again, I will never be in heaven. Let me ask you tonight, friend, are you are you born again? Have you had a moment when you have received life from heaven? Ah, oh, the same man from heaven said, unless ye repent, he shall all likewise perish. Friend, unless you are willing to turn from your sin and bow to what God says, you are going to be lost and lost forever. The warnings of God are real. And as these men of Nineveh heard the message, yet 40 days, they realized there is an end to the dealings of God. elderly woman living on the East Coast of the United States, she sent a message to this man who was preaching there. She said, would you come and see me? I have some questions. And so on a Saturday night, those two men went to visit with this elderly woman. And she said, gentlemen, she says, I am, I am going on a long journey. And she says, I am never going to come back. I would like to know that I'm going to the right destination. Would you gentlemen be able to tell me how I could be sure of going to heaven? Oh, the message from heaven had reached her. Her tremendous need of settling the salvation of her soul, of making sure of her final destination, her eternal destiny. Here's the God who's spoken Jonah's day to this city called Nineveh with a message of hope and a message of salvation. Yes, there is warning. But the very same Savior that spoke about your need to be born again also said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. The same Savior said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God spoke through a man. That man had a message. But I just want to close with this. Because you see where we are tonight. God is giving us a moment to respond. I've tried to picture what it meant for Jonah to go through that city. When a day's journey. Maybe early in the morning. Maybe there's a man going to his place of business. To his shop. And he was just turning the key in the door. Sun just coming up. When he heard the voice. He looked. And he saw the man. And he heard the message lunchtime came and the offices emptied for lunch. Some of the secretaries standing by the stoplight saying, well, where do you want to have lunch today? Do you want to go to that restaurant or do you want to go to that fast food outlet? Across the street, they heard a voice and they stopped and they saw the man and they heard the message. Maybe three o'clock in the afternoon, there was an old couple doing a bit of shopping and they just sat down for a cup of coffee in the outdoor cafe Talking about what they had purchased and what they were gonna do after supper. Alongside of that cafe came the man with a message. Maybe later on as the sun was setting, a man going home after a long day of selling. And he was just turning into his driveway when through that neighborhood came the man with a message. They'd come to a moment of response. Yet 40 days, Nineveh shall be overthrown. I have wondered if we knew how close the Lord's return really is. I wonder how we would preach. That's why God is bringing each one of us to a moment of response. What are we going to do with this message? I recall reading, and and it it startled me, and it it still kind of startles me. Some of you likely heard of the events that took place on September the 10th, 2001. No, you say, say, no, Marvin, it was September the 11th. No, this took place on September the 10th. There's an American Airlines flight that was being readied for takeoff. Passengers were coming in the door, as a lot of us have done on occasion. Seats were filling. Stewardesses were busy. And one of the stewardesses was trying to break up a big chunk of ice for the passengers' drinks. And it was a pretty stubborn piece of ice. And so she must have grabbed the nearest thing that she thought would do the job, and she picked up a, a bottle of wine glass bottle of wine, and she was trying to hit this chunk of ice to make it into fragments. And as one of the passengers came on, he, he just saw what she was doing, and he said, uh, Ma'am, uh, none of my business, but uh, that's kind of dangerous. I just want to suggest, just want to advise you that you, you should find something else, because glass might break and you might injure yourself. And of course, she, she thanked him, and she put the bottle down, and she did find something else. And just as he was going along, he just stopped and he pulled out a, a gospel tract, and he said, uh, "When you get time, you might want to read this." He just passed it to her, and she took it and put it down and continued on with her chores. But you know, during that flight, she came back to where that Christian was sitting, and she sat down, there was an empty seat, and she said, "Sir, he said, this, this is the sixth paper that I have gotten in the last couple of months." She says, "What, what does God want from me?" And that Christian was able to tell her about her need of salvation and of God's interest in her and of the fact that God wanted her to respond and receive the Savior. You know what startles me about all of that? That was September the 10th. September the 11th, the very next day, that same stewardess was on that first jetliner crashed into the World Trade Center. She had less than 24 hours to respond to the man and the message. I wonder, what are you going to do with Christ? What will you do with regard to the salvation of your soul? I trust, friend, tonight you might not put it off. You might face your need. You might face the truth of God's word. And that tonight you might not leave until you know that your sins are forgiven. The Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior, your Lord. A man, a message, a moment.
0: Yes, my friend, it was an unexpected visit, and the people of Nineveh had to face the greatest crisis of their lives. The moment of response to God had come, and now many years later, each of us faces a similar visit because God still speaks to us through His messengers. He often draws alongside with messengers of urgent warning and yet gracious appeal. Today, you've heard such a message. What will your response be to God's message for you? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. My name is John Sharp and thank you once again for listening. And we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, you need an Anchor.